J. Merriam Sims has been termed the father of gynecology. And there's so many of layers in this, mm-hmm. right, that are just like the father, like why is there a man in charge of gynecology? Hello, people of the interwebs. I'm Tash Doherty, and welcome to the Practical Guide to Pussyhood, a show about birth control, periods, and liberating yourself from the patriarchy. Last week, I sat down with Rachel Hobart and Fran Wong from the Yona Care team, and we talked all about the speculum. If you have a vagina and you've ever gotten a pap smear or you've had your IUD inserted, then you know all about it. First, the doctor will make you lie down on your back in the doctor's office on a bench. And then the doctor will use a speculum, which is this metal or plastic tool that they hold in their hand and insert it into your vagina to prop it open. When I got my IUD inserted, the doctor used a speculum and the experience was very quick, but it was definitely painful And that's why I'm so excited to have Rachel and Fran on the show. Yona was originally founded by Rachel and Fran, as well as Hayley Stewart and Sahana Kumar, while they were all designers at Frog. And they have dedicated years of their spare time to redesigning the speculum and the experience around it to make it better. So here we go. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of The Practical Guide to Pussyhood. I'm Tash Doherty and here I have some really special guests with me, Rachel Hobart and Frank Wong from the Yona Care Team. Do you guys want to say hi? Hi. Hi everybody, <laughs> this is the Yona Team and we're super excited to be here and looking forward to chatting. Great. So I want to hear a bit about your background and then we've got the whole history of the speculum, how you guys are redesigning it. I actually talk to people and not everyone knows what a speculum is. So let's start with that. How would you describe it? Sure. So um, this is Fran. (laughs) Hi, everybody. So the speculum is a tool that's used during a lot of medical procedures, but specifically for today, we're talking about the pelvic exam. And so the speculum is this metal or plastic tool, and it looks a bit like a duck bill with a handle. And so when you press it, the two bills open up, and this is meant to give your doctor or your provider the ability to actually visualize your cervix and um, do an exam, as well as reach in and get swabs with a, with a pap smear. Yeah, so how did you guys get started on this specific project? Um, This is Rachel. So I guess this started in 2017. Two previous Yona members started just by having their pelvic exams in the same week. And they had a conversation at work. They were both working at Frog. And we're like, why is this so terrible? Like, why do we not talk about this experience? As designers, we think about things and want to improve things. So they just deep dove into this space conducted a first phase of research where we spoke to a number of providers and patients from a wide range of backgrounds and demographics and did more history into the speculum. And that's really where it started in this route of uncovering and bringing about this uncomfortable space that people go through um, with vaginas. And then Fran and I joined and that's when Yona became Yona. Cool. And what I think is so amazing is that you're a very like experienced mechanical designer, you're a visual designer. The quality of work that Frog produces in general, like I don't know, whether it's apps or physical products, you guys really create some of the experiences that are defining in our day. You're taking uh, a really basic, almost lo-fi technology, the speculum that, that hasn't been improved upon since like 1892 with the guy that we'll talk about who, who created it. And yeah, just really rethinking about that from start to finish. So it's really cool. 
Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting space to be in because I think we do spend a lot of time thinking about digital products and how like there are a lot of these commodity things that we we talk about and how they affect us and how we experience them, but very few times do we actually put in the effort or have the the mind space to think think about some of these like very basic health related or body related things that affect us really profoundly. And I would just say like the vagina is such a personal place and so yeah we still have so many of these different technologies that we need to improve upon and it can really make a big difference like on your website it says like 60 million pelvic exam in the US every year. I mean that's like <laughs> an immense number. It's an immense number of people. Yeah, and that's not even like the amount of people who necessarily need a pelvic exam because so many people don't don't get their exams because um, they fear they're going to be discriminated against or it just makes them uncomfortable or maybe they're a sexual assault survivor and it's just too traumatizing. And so 60 million is not even really an accurate depiction of the amount of people that it should apply to. And I think I was reading this book called Xenofeminism as well, and they talk about how in second wave feminism, the speculum also became this tool for autonomy in your own body. So I was thinking, like, what if you guys could design it so that everyone could just buy their own and like have their own speculum <laughs> in order to do their own exams and things? You know, like this this technology could be used um, just to help us get more in touch with our own bodies, especially if it's something that you actually enjoy putting up your vagina. Yeah, it's actually so it was one of the early hypotheses that like we we kind of toyed with of like this being something that you do in home in your own comfort zone in privacy or whatever and during research we actually found out that a lot of people i mean like there's obviously there's a, a huge group of people who would love to do that there are also though like a lot of people who though they don't prefer the experience of going in they do like having that external um validation like, validation yeah. exactly like somebody who's like oh this person sees 20 vaginas in a day so they can accurately tell me that like mine is fine I'm good to go and there's that comfort in that and so that's why we actually moved away from doing a self-care at home kit to doing just like a tool that anybody can use right I mean especially after the history which we should actually talk about mm -hmm. I was reading on Wikipedia this guy James Marion Sims was this very important physician he's still revered actually in the medical world but he also had black female slaves and he would perform experiments on them essentially which is now i'm glad that we're getting to the point where consent is mandatory but back in the day these women were basically having things performed on them that were against their consent and because of the speculum that he redesigned and he actually used a spoon at first and That's what used spoon. yeah and soup spoon and what used to happen was you have to go on your knees and then have the physician examine you from behind but basically the important thing that the speculum also helped doing was that you could then be examined lying on your back but i just don't know how we can move forward from that yeah so when we started looking into the history we found exactly what you're finding and it was just it was crazy to hear that right it was just that that was the beginning of it and like j Merriam sims has been termed the father of gynecology and there's so many of layers in this mm -hmm. right that are just like the father, like, why is there a man in charge of gynecology? When we were doing some background research on him, there were some personal journals that had been unearthed, like, years back. And in it, he writes things like how he hates the female body. It disgusts him. And that's the mm -hmm. root of it. He obviously didn't care about the experience or, like, the emotional trauma or anything else. Like, this was his profession at best. 
and he did experiments. He developed these things, and he he developed um, a reputation for himself that was largely positive. And when you were saying like, how do we move forward from that? I think this is the beginning of how we move forward from that. Like, there are so many groups right now that are considering all of these other emotional, like tra- traumatic, like everything else in this picture that's more than just the very basic health thing. Like, a lot of these groups that are coming out, like like us, the founder, or like. Um, somebody in their family they're like we had this awful awful experience and and we asked why do we have to have it that way yeah Mm -hmm. definitely yeah and also when we were starting yona there were protests happening in central park there was a statue of james marion sims outside of central park and a lot of people were coming forward and protesting that there should not be a statue of this person who harmed and endangered uh, so many lives and and tortured people and like you said enslaved women were the primary target of that and we will not stand for it so uh, I think the statue came down in 2018 which is amazing and we are definitely pro that (laughs) yeah that's important because this product that you're redesigning it was a tool of torture and I think with design in general with frog and these kinds of places is that you put empathy and the patient's experiences at the heart of what's going on But could you guys talk a bit more about the different evolutions that you've seen? Or was it really just like he created these couple prototypes and then marketed them and then hasn't been much update since? Yeah, so there's been changes. But, you know, like as you see in the doctor's office today, it looks very similar. There are many variations to it. Like the ones that you see most commonly in exam rooms are um, like the Peterson um, speculum. And there are other versions out there, like specifically for surgery or specifically for a condition or something else. But there has also been innovation in terms of trying to redesign to improve it. But what we've seen is that they've gone in a number of different directions where it's either it becomes more expensive because it's now a digital tool, like there's a camera, um, it requires power, or they've just not gained traction because they haven't found the right distribution channels and they haven't necessarily addressed both patient and provider needs. And so when we were working on it, we were really focused on adoptability. That was a key tenet of ours. And a big thing we thought about is, you know, we could design the most amazing patient experience speculum ever, but if it doesn't serve the provider need mm. or the hospital need, it's not going to get used. Like no patients are ever going to see it. And that's, that's like not making improvement at all. And to add on to that, I think it's been interesting talking to providers because, you know, like everybody talks about these terrible experiences they've had. And like for some people we've spoken to, they're like, my provider's actually really great. I mean, they, they really tried. They really wanted to have compassion and empathy. And, you know, we've had midwives reach out to us. We've had providers who talk about holistic care and how their emphasis is really on making the patient comfortable. And so for us, like that's that's just as important in terms of empathy and making their jobs easier means that they can serve more people Mm -hmm. and give better exams. And so why not treat them both, you know, patients and providers. And so we wanted to really strike this balance of making sure that this is something that people could immediately implement. And, you know, it's, it's an incremental step. We're not saying like, this is the end all speculum, right? Like there's probably going to be progress made after this and that's great. And we want that. And so this is the first step. So we wanted to make sure it was approachable. Yeah, great. And also, Rachel, were you doing a lot of talking to users and people and providers? What were some of the themes that came up visually? Yeah, so it was kind of interesting, like thinking back to when all of this was happening in parallel. So like Fran and Haley were really working on the speculum design and Sahana and I were working on the experience and I was also working on the branding. 
And um, it's weird to brand something that like doesn't exist yet. Our first goal was really to like start a conversation around pelvic health and like destigmatize. So those were kind of like our starting pillars. But we were like, it's a product. It's an experience. It's really just a lot of concepts. So wanted to create this space that could feel comfortable to a lot of people and still feel like it was direct enough so people would understand what it is, um, but also flexible enough that it could go uh, beyond like a product and an experience. So that's really how it, it got going. We pulled a bunch of different visual styles, did a whole like spectrum exercise. We had an open house with the rest of the Frog Studio and had people come through and like sticky note and dot vote things and and that's kind of how we got some feedback for our naming brainstorm and we also displayed some speculum forms and shapes there so really we like tapped into the space around us too with all of the creatives that we work with to build this new brand and experience but yeah it was also an interesting time because it was 2017 and uh you know we had that president around and things were happening for transgender folks and folks in the LGBTQ space and there's a lot of discrimination happening and so that bubbled up also as a pillar for us we really wanted this to be an inclusive space and we were really looking at what does inclusivity mean today and these groups that are under attack politically like how can we bring this into the safe space and that's why we you know really stuck to that principle and we don't say women, we don't use uh, she, her pronouns. Um, and we've done that from the beginning. And I think it all has lined up really timely, you know, with the James Marion Sims statue coming down with all of the stuff happening with Trump. And then Yona kind of came up right in that of this, this femme space being opened up or quote unquote femme space. And yeah, so we just wanted to create this space that was welcoming and legitimate in some way. Yeah, I think I still also personally have a lot to learn in terms of using inclusive language because I identify as a woman, she, her pronouns and those kinds of things. I have a couple more friends who are trans now. It's really difficult when we're in this space where we're when we're talking about periods or, you know, pregnancy and all these different kinds of things. Um, I think it's going to be interesting going forwards to see how we continue to make these spaces like more inclusive. Yeah, and also because men should also be included in the experience as well and should feel like they can, you know, maybe support their partner going to their exam. So what stage are you guys at at the moment when it comes to development? Are you going to distribute through more medical channels? Uh, recently, we were featured in Instagram's Design for All booth at Design Miami as a part of our Basel. Uh, and they invited us to be a part of this booth with other designers being featured who are focused on, you know, inclusive design and design for all. Uh, so that's where we displayed our first MVP of the speculum, which means minimum viable product. I always I always I always mess that one up. Like, did I say it right? Um, and so, yeah, that was a pretty exciting milestone for us. But um, I'll let Fran chat about yeah. So as Rachel was saying, Design Miami was super cool because it was kind of the first public moment where we could show a lot of the latest progress that we've made. But leading up to that was actually like a huge push of work for us. And that was when we took kind of where we were at before, which was some early concepts of what the speculum could look like. And we actually acted on it in terms of designing it out, um, the form, as well as engineering some of how it would actually work and the mechanics within it. And so um 
we got to that point. So that's MVP as Rachel is saying. And then we went and got an appearance model made. And so right now we have like the first model of what it, what we think it'll look like. So from here on out, it's more engineering work. There's just like more stuff. Like you learn so much from one model and then you wrap it into the next version of the model. And so we're at the stage where we're going to be wrapping more of the work in. And then something that you mentioned earlier, which is testing. And so this is like an immense beast in the room that we we talk about a lot. But um, that's something that's like on our forecast as well, which is how do you get something through clinical trials? And like, obviously, it's for good reason that they're so stringent. They're very vigorous in terms of their testing standards. So yes, the speculum will have to go through FDA testing at some point, And we're not there yet. And it's like, these processes take a really long time. Like with medical devices, it's usually like years, if not more, before like something goes into the market. And so it's a long forecast ahead of us. And that's something that it's hard for me to project when it's going to be because it's so long. But um, we're in the process of getting more work wrapped in and then eventually talking about testing. Yeah. And I'll also say with that, we are professionals in our industries, but we also know that medical devices is its own beast, um, as Fran was saying. And so we are really looking for different partners to help us get this to market as fast as possible. So is it a case of, you know, GlaxoSmithKline just coming to you and being like, oh, here's $50 million. Come in house. You can design your, I mean, I mean, GSK is like pharma, but you know, do you need it to be taken on by one of these larger medical device corporations? Um, I mean, that would be nice. And that would be the fastest way to get it to patients and providers. Yeah, to build on that. I mean, like a lot of these huge medical companies, they have a ton of infrastructure. They already have testing teams. They have engineering teams. They have doctors like on their staff. You know, they have distribution channels. And that's like something we're starting to learn about, which is the medical industry is like this huge machine, right? Like to get in anywhere, to become a effective and efficient and like distributed is really difficult and you need somebody who already is in the know in there. And that's also why there's not a lot of innovation in like the medical device space is because there's this huge gap in tech or or apps like someone can invent an app and go out tomorrow and monetize it and and be successful and launch it and people can have it. But with medical devices, you have to go through many many more hoops, which again makes sense, but because of that, there's a lack of innovation and there's a lack of, you know, these smaller people coming up and making change because it is a long road and it's an expensive road and it's there's a lot of hoops to go through. So that's something that we're learning and facing. And again, finding a strategic partner to help us get through that uh, would be the fastest way to get it to people. I can't guess that this is the first medical device that Frog has ever tried to put in the market. I feel like you guys must have clients who are in this field already. Maybe they just have more resources or it's a commissioned project by a medical device company. I mean, that probably makes it easier. Yeah, that's really been the key part, which is like the key word here is client, right? Mm -hmm. So like they're already part of a company that has built this into their roadmap and into their vision. And so they're coming to us for help. Um, they're coming to Frog for help with a product. And, and yes, Frog's working on this product. And then afterwards, though, they already have the infrastructure. They already have the plan of like, okay, so now we take this concept or this product and now we're going to put it through the rest of these processes that we're already familiar with. And so, Yona, like we're on our own in some sort of way, right? Like we don't have mm -hmm. a client. Um, we're doing this. It's like a homegrown project. And so when it comes to needing these resources, that's why we're looking outwardly for people who might already have access into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's probably just like calling up all the corp dev teams at like Merck and stuff and being like, hey, guys, we just happen to have designed this amazing thing. We've done all of the work for you to figure out the whole concept. We've talked to everyone. 
I went to go get a pelvic exam done, you know, a couple of months ago. And I, I think she just used like a very replaceable, like plastic one mm-hmm. that you just use once probably and then throw it away. But anyway, the point is, is that they're being used. So if yeah. there is a medical team out there, <laughs> make sure you invest in this company or just buy it. And then so that you can actually develop it and have it go to market. I would say the important thing for me, also why I wanted to talk to you guys was because even if these things take years to develop, that doesn't mean that, you know, we shouldn't be working on them. And there are so many different technologies that are sitting around that have been around for hundreds of years, designed by men who have checkered pasts. And what's cool about it is with visual designers and mechanical designers, you can really inspire still a ton of girls who are in high school or in college to, you know, continue to pursue the field and, you know, take on, find a technology that sucks and like make it better. Like, I think that's really the message that you're going out with, which I think is really, really great. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, Rachel mentioned this earlier, like the beginning of Yona was we set out to start a conversation where like nobody talks about this. It's this like secret hush hush thing that you like you chat about like with your girlfriends. And it's like, why is it so secret? Why is it so weird to talk about? And so we've started that and it's been awesome to hear people reaching out to us and just to see this change that's happened around us in the past mm-hmm. three years of like this isn't this dark secret that we have to hide anymore. Like people are talking about this openly. Health Mm -hmm. is becoming something that's like, all right, well, we all have to deal with it. So why are we being weird about it? It's been really inspirational to see that. And I think that when when you're talking about younger people who are in high school or whatever, as they come up, they're in this space now where these are things that we could talk about openly, which means we can, we could talk about why they suck and we could talk about how to change them. Yeah. And I think it's also not even the fact that they suck and the device is horrible or it's uncomfortable. There's so many different layers to it. You can have a typically normal pelvic exam and it's uncomfortable and it's and it's shitty. But there are also so many people who have just insane pelvic exam stories that are just traumatic and horrible and horrific. And we've spoken to a lot of those people or they've reached out to us through our emails. And um, it just... It's like very sickening, but also just pushes us further to wanting to keep talking about the space and and demanding that people stand up for their pelvic rights and having a good pelvic exam, we believe is a human right. Yeah, I think it's super legit. It's important as well, getting more money into it too, because the more money that we have, then the more likely you guys could be, you know, go through your FDA trials. These things are super expensive and they take a really long time. Yeah, I would just, (laughs) there's so many things we can talk about with this. We just continue to, you know, we do this in our our free time. This is a passion project. And this is something that we do in our nights, weekends, during lunch, we get in early to our day job. And so any support that we can get, anything that can help us push forward is very exciting to us. I think the Instagram thing was great. It reignited a lot of this external interest in the project. And, you know, we're, we're really, again, looking for those strategic partners. But again, as a passion project, it's something that Fran and I do just based on our own motivations and, you know, passion for this space and wanting to make it better and hearing people's stories. So keep sending us your, your pelvic exam stories. We love to read them. Yes, I think also if you can find a way or a project that you care about and just spend your free time on that, it's great because it, it just gives you a really strong sense of purpose in your life. And all these femtech things really need a lot of attention and they need to be made better. Literally, people in 10 years time will be having way better experiences and then maybe we'll have you know less cervical cancer and um, yeah, the future will be better. We agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vaginas are amazing and taking care of them should be too. Yeah. yeah. 
That's great. Okay, well, thank you, Rachel Hobart and Fran Wong from Yona for joining me for this episode of the Practical Guide to Pesiod. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thank you it's for been great. Us. Anything you want to add? Get your pelvic exam. Once every three years, ideally. Yes, like Fran said, get your pelvic exam. You can learn all about Yona at yonacare.com. And if you want to see pictures of the new speculum that Rachel and Fran have designed, then you can check them out. Their Instagram handle is yona.care. In the meantime, if you have any feedback or suggestions for new episodes for The Practical Guide to Pussyhood, you can hit me up on Instagram. My handle is Tash R. Doherty. If you're curious to learn more about the birth control playbook, you can go to tashdoherty.com to explore more. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Tune in again soon and lots of love. Bye.